You're listening to Catalyst for Change, and my name is Jessica Huckabee, your host. I started this podcast to learn what makes people resilient after challenging events and how they've used those series of events as a catalyst for change in their life. You'll hear stories of resiliency and strength, so get ready, sit back, and be prepared to be inspired. Today, I'm speaking to David Buren. Dave is the host of American Vet Podcast. He's a four-year Marine veteran that served from 2005 to 2009, and he's a Mission 22 ambassador that started his show in an effort to battle the 22 lost a day. We'll get into more about what that Mission 22 ambassador does and the program that he serves in. And just wanted to note that the sound was not optimal during this recording, and I do apologize for that, but let's get started. All right, Dave, thanks for coming on my show, Catalyst for Change, Stories of Resiliency. I really loved listening to your podcast, American Vet Podcast, and I really want to know more about your story and what's really been the catalyst for change in your life. Okay, yeah, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on the show, and, and uh, I'm glad that you liked the podcast. So a little bit about me. Prior to me joining the Marine Corps, uh, I joined in 05. And I served to 09. Um, but prior to that, when I was like 15 years old, I got emancipated, moved out of my parents' house and I had my own apartment um, all the way through high school and stuff like that. So, you know, I was just kind of living for the moment in a sense. Just had no real direction. You know, I was belligerent. I was a smart ass. I was so I just had no direction. I didn't really care for my job because my mindset at the time back then was, you know, if I go to, you know, McDonald's or something like that, I say, hey, five plus five is ten you're not going to give me a cheeseburger. But if I'm working, if I have cash, I could buy the cheeseburger kind of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. So I had real no, no direction in life whatsoever. Um, my mom was very sick with uh, diabetes. Okay. And when I, when I got out of the Marine Corps, like my whole life, I knew I was just going to go into the military or law enforcement or something like that. It just, even from a young age at 15, when you got emancipated, you knew that was your path. Yeah. My grandfather is, you know, he's my my dad in a sense um you know i really look up to him he's old vietnam veteran um he actually came on my podcast but he's got a real thick vermont accent so okay <laughs> he's hard to understand but for me it's pretty easy but you know he told me i've never saved any money i'm working till you know i can't go any farther and any, anything like that and i graduated high school i think it was like april or may in 2001 okay and 9-11 happened and I told my mom, I was like, listen, you know, I'm still not doing anything with my life. You know, this is really, this is the time for me to go if I can do anything, you know? And she kind of told me, she's like, Hey, listen, she's like, I'm not doing well. Everybody knows that's no secret. Yeah. My mom's like, you know, I can't, I wouldn't be able to go any farther with the stress of you going. And so I kind of made a deal with my mom. I was like, all right, well, you know, it's, it sounds shitty, but I mean, just, just the way me, my mom and my grandfather talk, we're pretty much up front and we know, you know, the, you know, the circle of life kind of stuff. And so I told my mom, I was like, all right, you know, once you pass, I'll go then. And uh, my mom was good, good with it. Okay. Luckily I got another three years out of her. Um, yeah. She passed in January, 2004. And it really, you know, it really bothered me. Um, because now it's just the only one I really cared about or the only one I really talked to in the family is my grandfather. Yeah. And I was close with my mom and stuff like that. But I, uh, 
I was like, I can't go in now. I'm not going to be any good for anybody. I'm not going to be any good for myself. Yeah. So I gave myself some grievance time for about a year. And then I went into the Marine Corps and it was funny too, because I called my grandfather up after I talked to the recruiter. I was like, Hey, I'm joining the Marine Corps. Just talked to the recruiter. My grandfather was like, all right, you know, he's like, that's good. He's like, but, uh, you know, don't let me down, you know, don't go to boot camp and come up with some bogus excuse to get out. He's like, I'll never help you out again. You know, yeah, I'll, I'll disown you. He's like, but if you go down there and you have a medical reason, he's like, then that's fine. You can't handle yeah. it. So it, it was kind of like, you know, shit or get off the pot kind of thing with me. Yeah. Um, which really helped me in boot camp to have somebody to sit there and just say, hey, listen, don't be a turd. And yeah. So when I was in boot camp, I ended up getting shin splints. So the Marine Corps wanted me to go, like, get out and whatnot. But I, I was able to, you know, fix it so I can start running with boots and stuff like that again and doing marches and stuff. And uh, so I went in boot camp in April of 2005, and I didn't get out of boot camp Paris Island until, like, November. So okay. I tell people I tell people I did two tours in boot camp. Yeah, just to make sure you're good to go, right? Yeah. And yeah. Yeah, so – the fact that he told me don't do it like if they force you out yes but don't take the easy road out and stuff like that kind of really helped me work through my injuries and stuff like that and really pushed me to be kind of like change my last name in a sense like there's not a whole lot of greatness when you look up my family yeah um, and so you want to change that absolutely because i was thinking about changing my last name and all this other stuff and i was like no i'm just going to change what the last name represents and but, you know, when I talked, when I told my grandfather, I was going to the boot camp, he, uh, my grandmother calls up my recruiter. She's like, you know, Hey, he was born with seizures and he was, you know, he's got asthma and everything else. My recruiter calls me up and he's, oh, like, hey. he's like, is this, is this true? And I was yeah. like, well, I was like, I, I know I signed something saying that you can look at my medical records. I was like, is that true? And he goes, no, that's not true. It's pretty much whatever you say isn't a thing unless we find it, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm like, well, you're not going to find it. So yeah, no, she's lying. <laughs> she just doesn't want you to go. <laughs> yep, Cause exactly. at that time when you were going in, that was a really rough time to be in the service. It sounds like. Yeah. Oh, four is really when everything really, you know, as, as far as, uh, IEDs and, and yeah. losing brothers and sisters was really the tough time. Um, how so, was your experience when you went in? What did you do over there? Did you get deployed and tell me about that experience? Yeah. So I got out of boot camp and then we go into uh, MCT. So it's Marine combat training. And I meet another Marine. He's from Michigan. And he kind of told me, he's like, dude, I'm a lifer. Uh, I'm literally living in my car when I joined. And so we had MCT together. We had the same MOS, uh, 3531 motor transport operator. Mm-hmm. And after MCT, we go to uh, the army base, Fort Lost in the woods or Fort Leonard Woods in Missouri for our MOS school training. And then we get, I get my first orders to go to Okinawa, Japan for two years. Okay. So you and go I'm to like, Japan. Yep. So I went to Japan and I was kind of nervous about that. Cause I was like, you know, Hey, I've never been anywhere outside of, you know, where I live in Massachusetts. I was like, now I'm going to North Carolina. Now I'm going to, you know, Missouri. And now I'm going to Japan. I was like, I don't know what's going to go on out there. Um, turned out to be a great deployment for me for that two years. It was just the culture out there is amazing. Yeah. The the water is phenomenal. Um, The booze was kind of expensive. So I started. (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. 
Yeah. So I drank a lot of vodka and Red Bull because it was cheaper than a Budweiser. Yeah. Was out there. Um, and then I, I, I kind of went all over to Pacific because when I got to my unit, I was the only one of age that can have, you know, my ammo license, my hazmat license. So I can drive ammunitions and I can drive all that. And for the Marine Corps, you have to be a certain age to be able to have that, to do that. So that actually gave me a spot to where I went to like, you know, mainland Japan, North Korea, you know, or South Korea, sorry. Um, all over the place out there. Yeah. And, that hooked me up with a, a nice job at second Marine division down in, in North Carolina as division licensor. So I was okay. giving other Marines the license for MRAPs and stuff like that. So um, as far as deployments, I've never deployed anywhere that would have put my life in jeopardy. That's good. That's good that you're safe, uh, you're healthy and you've learned a lot in Japan. It sounds like, and you had a good deployment learned yeah. a lot of new skills that you could bring back, uh, moved up in rank. It sounds like, so that was a really good experience for you. Yeah. Yeah. I, it was, but you know, I, I always have that, that the backside of me, that's kind of like, you know, you, yeah, you join big deal, but you know, you didn't really do anything. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So I struggled with that for the longest time. And it wasn't until recently, probably like two, two years ago or something like that. I, I was actually, I'm able to cope with the fact that I didn't get to do what I wanted to do, what I needed what was to do. That? I, I didn't get to go to Iraq or anything like that. So, and you really wanted to go there. Absolutely. Yeah. My grandfather, yeah. like I said, he, you know, he fought in Nam and everything else. And so now I kind of look at it as yes. Well, I'm better looking at it now, but before I was kind of like, yeah, I'm a Marine. Um, but not really. Mm. In a sense, kind of like letting myself down. You know yeah. I mean? And you had all these expectations that you're going to make this, you know, your last name mean something great and, you yep. know, do all those things. And you felt like you let somebody down by, by not going to get deployed to Iraq or Afghanistan. Now. Correct. Yeah. So I'm glad you came to terms with that because you did serve your country and you did amazing things and you gained all these skills and became a lot different from the 15 year old, um, smart ass kid, as you call him, you know, yep. that you were back in the day, you know, so you did grow a lot. It sounds like yeah. now was that kind of like, you know, your military experience moving up in rank in the, in the Marines, you ended up back in North Carolina. How was all that? Like the, the catalyst that, um, that changed who you are and made you who you are today. Like, how did that change yeah. you? Yeah. So when I went to Japan, I got my first divorce under my belt, like a true Marine. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I met another girl and when I was in North Carolina, I get out in 2009 and yeah. then I go through my second divorce oh, and, yeah. and then I found, you know, I went through a real rough patch there because 2009, the economy was, was horrible. Yes. And, you know, so my grandfather, like back to my grandfather, he said, you know, I'm going to work for the rest of my life. So I get in a car accident before I joined the Marine Corps and I sue the guy and I was, I got a nice settlement out of the deal and I opened up, you know an IRA for myself. Yeah. I was like 16 and a half or whatnot. So I'm like, Oh, I got my retirement set. No matter what I'm doing when I'm 50 years old, I'm gonna retire. But 2009, the economy hit and I lost a lot of money. Yeah. Out of my IRA. And, and then I, you know, my next divorce, and then I was still living with a lot of guilt of not doing what I should have done as a true Marine. Yeah. And, you know, so then I started going down this bad road and, you know, I ended up, you know, losing my job, lost my place. I was living in truck got repoed. Wow. You know, all this stuff happens. And now, you know, one day I find myself 
um, walking down uh, Wilmington Road down there and contemplating whether jumping in front of a truck or just hitchhiking out west so I can just be homeless the rest of my life because, you know, out west, you don't have to worry about cold or anything like that. Yeah. So I was like, I can live on the street all year. Yeah. Um, but the buddy I met in MCT, he went to Okinawa with me. And when we came to when I came to Lejeune, he came to Lejeune with me, but he wasn't in the same unit. The only thing that separated us was a, a you know, a regular normal fence. Yeah. So he knew what was happening that day with me. And so he calls my grandfather mm. up in Massachusetts because, you know, he's one of the good guys, you know, that yeah. really, you know, he I mean, he's still in. He's a gunny now. He's got a few daughters of his own, but um so my grandfather calls the sheriffs and the sheriffs end up picking me up on the side of the street. And then, so I go into like a mental ward type thing for a week. Like a and 5150 hold. Yeah. So that's when it really hit me. I said, you know, I'm trying to change my last name. Yeah. I didn't get to deploy or whatnot, but you know, if deploy I, where you wanted to go, where you thought you needed to go. Right. And I'm like, you know, if I, if, if I take, myself out now none of that's ever going to change yeah that's that's going to be my life story so i hit the reset button i called my grandfather i was like listen i got enough money for a bus ticket up there can i stay at your place for a little while and he's like yeah but you're going to get a job and and everything else like that and i was like i'm good with that yeah so i was able to hit the reset button on my life which ultimately made me who I am today by not deploying and not, yeah. not doing a lot of the stuff that I wanted to do and losing everything I had. Yeah. So by me, you know, a couple of years ago, I realized, I said, you know, if I deployed back when I wanted to do Iraq and Afghan and all that, how good of a soldier was I going to be, you know, how good of a, a troop was I going to be, you know, a Marine and, because obviously my mental state wasn't where it needed to be if I was going to take myself out in the end anyways. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of how I grew to understand, you know, you know, certain things happen for reasons, but you know, that's what's helping me now understand why I didn't deploy and live with the fact that I didn't deploy like everybody else, you know, yeah. And like to this day, I still everybody that's done combat, I look up to them, you know, no matter their rank, no matter what they did, why they were, I don't care. You got, you know, I still look up to them today. Yeah. Um, but I started my podcast to kind of yeah, tell me. Yeah, to kind of tell people, like, listen, if you hit that reset button in your life, it is amazing what kind of person you come to be at the end. Now I, you know, I'm on my third marriage. I got a six-year-old daughter. I got a house that I never thought I would have. Yeah. You know, I got a really good job. You know, my daughter's wicked smart. And it's nice. Just, and it's amazing. It is so amazing how you from know, hitting rock bottom and not yeah. thinking you were you were gonna go anywhere and you know, thinking about contemplating taking your own life to realizing that you have all this potential and it was always yep. there. And then now you have a great job, great wife, great house, you know, all of it, yeah. everything, everything you've ever wanted. You've had it, you have it now. That's awesome. Yeah. So, you know, just because you hit rock bottom and, you know, have all these 
things going on doesn't mean things can't change. Right. And I, and I owe a lot to that, to, you know, my battle buddy, as you will, you know, my buddy I met in the Marine Corps yeah. because he stepped up and he got me the help I needed, no matter my reaction. He, you know, he told me afterwards, he's like, dude, I didn't really care if you hated me the rest of your life, man, but you needed something at that time. And he's, and he stuck up and he saw it yeah. and he did. And it's, I'm forever grateful for that. And, you know, the, the stigma out there with people like, you know, asking for help or, or whatnot is, is, is horrible. It's horrible. Yes, you're and, right. And it's a culture. Um, it feels like that people don't ask for help and they keep it all in. It's like that warrior mentality yep. that I think we're trying to change in the military, but it's still, it's still there. And, you know, we're, it's hard to break that. Yeah. And it, and it's, it's tough because if you get to the point where, our, you know, where I was, where you didn't like yourself anymore. Yeah. And you couldn't, you know, that's the hardest thing is getting past that and just saying, Hey, I don't like myself right now. I, yeah. I need to change. I need to change and, you know, reaching out to somebody. And, it, you know, a lot of times you reach out to somebody and nowadays everybody just thinks you're going for attention. And, and yeah. it's sad because, you know, the DOD gave out a report third quarter for 2020 on, on veteran suicides and for active service, we lost in three months, we lost 111 service members for suicide. In three months, 111. That's a lot. That's yeah. yeah. It feels like it's so unnecessary. Their lives were like, they could have had this, you know, similar thing, you know, they could have hit rock bottom and then picked themselves back up if they would have had the right tools and people, um, people looking out for them. Yeah. Um, so we'll, we're definitely trying to change that. And I really appreciate the work that you're doing with your podcast and being an yeah. ambassador for the mission 22. Now, what do you do to, you know, during your, you know, work with the, the mission 22 and to help change those stats? Answer the phone, I guess. Yeah. You know, I just, you know, I try to do, you know, there's like poker runs that go out here. There's events that go out here. I, I put a, you know, a, a 10 up and I, anything I can, you know, my phone, my phone's always on, you know, anything I can. And I joined mission 22 because of my podcast. Yeah. I started doing a little bit of research before I joined mission 22. And I was like, you know, I kind of like these guys, you know, this organization, they don't seem to give out t-shirts um, when people call for it and asking for help and stuff like that. And my podcast is all about, getting stories out there because everybody every veteran has a different story and a lot of veterans go through suicide whether they attempt it and or not but you know everybody pulls through i mean not everybody but the ones that can pull through it's amazing what happens so that's why the podcast and and i want to get stories out there so that way one day some veteran that's you know comes across the podcast and hears a, a story that kind of relates to them and you know pulls yeah. them out of their funk and they'll see that it's possible what the right. possibilities are so i you know my first episode i did was about me kind of thing and uh, my intro of my my life and a mission 22 ambassador reached out to me and walked me through he's like hey i think you'd be great you'd be a great candidate you know walk me through the whole process of getting becoming a mission 22 ambassador. And luckily for me, which I liked 
it was kind of a pain in the ass, but I liked it because it wasn't like, give me your email address and now you're a mission 22 ambassador. It's, you know, there's a whole application that you got to fill out. You know, they call your references and stuff like that. They really try to ensure that you're, you're, you're true to, to the cause. Yeah. I I'm a huge fan about. And, yeah. Uh, and so now after they do all that background check and get all your information and references and all that now, are you available? So like if somebody's feeling um, like taking their own life, you're available. You're one of the people that they can call. Is that how it works? Well, absolutely. Um, every mission 22 ambassador is like that, you know? Um, but as far as mission 22, the organization itself, you know, we have mission 22 has its own mental health ward. Um, and they do programs all over the place. Um, ruck marches, camp outs, all kinds of stuff. And just, you know, they, they do raffles. They do, you know, it's community all, building basically. Yeah. Yeah. Getting, making the, you feel... getting the knowledge out there that like, Hey, listen, you know, I know we lost 111 people in those three months last year. Um, yeah. and that's just active duty. That's not your reserves and, and your veterans. That was just people constantly going to work every day as a vet, as a yeah. military personnel. And nobody talks about how many attempts happened, you know? Yeah. And that number I'm kind of glad they don't talk about it because I, I know that number is going to be scary. Yeah. So mission 22 is just getting awareness out there. Like, listen, it's better if you, it's so much better if you don't end your story now. Yeah. You know, start a chapter two book, you know, start another book on your life and just really try to get yourself through it. And, and for everybody out there that sees somebody going through it, you know, you got to put aside the, you know, how they're going to react and stuff like that. You just need to get them help. Sometimes it's not going to be easy. Sometimes they're going to fight you tooth and nail all the way through. They're not going to talk to you for a while, you know, and they might not ever talk to you again, but at the end of the day, they're still with us. You know, they're not, they're not a number anymore. Yeah. And what helped you and when you're in that situation, was that somebody went against what they, they knew you were going to be upset at first and your grandfather yeah. called the um, sheriff and they got yep. you into a, into a mental health facility and then you hit rock bottom. And then when you're in there, you were able to reflect on what your yep. next steps needed to be like going to live with your grandfather and starting your life from scratch again, it sounds like, and then building it up. Yep. Yeah. And yeah. It's, it's an amazing, once you, ex, once you see that, you know, it's kind of cliche, but once you see that light at the tunnel or the direction that you need to go and know that you don't like yourself, but also talk to yourself and say, what are we going to do to fix this? Yeah. It is such an amazing feeling afterwards. And, you know, it's, it's, I didn't really start talking about that until I started doing my podcast. So like my wife never knew it. Mm. And, you know, a lot of people didn't know it. My grandfather knew it just because, you know, my buddy called him and everything else, but, yeah. um, you know, nobody knew it. I held it in, you know, the guilt of not, deploying and everything else which is still not anywhere at the same level as people that deploy and they you know they go through things and they see things and which but that was my issue with it and ever since then it's it's been amazing it's yeah been amazing <laughs> that's wonderful so is there anything any tools that you've learned along the way that help keep you in that mindset of, you know, life is amazing. I'm like, so lucky or, you know, 
blessed or whatever you call it to, yeah. to have what you have in life. Man, it, it snowballs. It snowballs. Once you, like I said, like once you accept it and you, and you give yourself the drive and, and you, you want to like yourself again and you want to like to what you're doing and stuff like that, it's just snowballs. You hit that one obstacle. You're like, all right, I broke through that barrier. What's yeah. the next one? And then what's the next one? What's the next one? And it's, you know, you you get this overwhelming feeling of just, I did this today. Tomorrow, I'm going to do that. That's my next goal. I'm going to yeah. get to that point. You know, Multiple successes in a row. Yeah. And then they just start yeah. stacking on each other like a snowball, like you mentioned. Yeah. 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 Just make, Just watching yourself succeed in things gives you that courage to, you know, try on new things. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, wonderful. So what is, what is your career now that you're out of the military? What did you end so now, up doing? So now, you know, I went through a couple few jobs. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And I got out when I came back up to uh, Massachusetts, but uh, now I, I, I work in a, in a federal building now where okay. I get, you know, I get good benefits and stuff like that. And, but it's just, it's amazing. Cause now I'm like, I would have never, you know, I thought of myself to be destined for, you know, I don't want to say anything bad about the people that do it. Cause I know there's people out there that love doing it, but being like a tire changer. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I was like, this is who I'm going to be the rest of my life. You know, I'm going to live paycheck by paycheck. And you know, yeah, that, that I, in 2009, when I went down that road, which and having the buddy that I have to step up to the plate and put his feelings aside and put his worries aside just to get me somewhere. Yeah. Is I would never be, you know, like I said, I was, if I didn't commit suicide that day, I was going to be living on a street somewhere in Arizona or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so. But somebody believed in you that you were worth more than that and that your life was worth something. It sounds like when you didn't have that feeling at the time. Yeah. Yeah. yeah he, he liked me enough that he didn't care about how much I hated myself. Yeah. He saw that you, you were worth something that your life mattered yeah. to yeah. a lot of people. It sounds like. Yeah. yeah. And now, now I just try to tell people because now I'm on the other side of it. You know, I'm, I'm a success story as you, you know, if you want to call me that, that's fine. Um, so now that's, what's really driving me to do this podcast and do mission 22. And I'm so addicted to it now. I'm yeah. Like, it's, yeah. <laughs> All this positive reinforcement, like helping other people, it's become like your mission in life, it sounds like, and helping yeah. get those stories out there so other people can see that there's more to life than, you know, what they have, their past they've been through. Or what they're, yeah, exactly. You know, yeah. I, I, there's been a couple of guys, you know, this guy that was on, uh, you know, one of my episodes, he literally, you know, he put a gun in his mouth, pulled the trigger and it never fired. Oh my gosh. And now he's doing amazing things. And it's, it's, you know, to hear other stories and it's just, yeah. you know, get the stories out there. You know, once you start talking and I understand like, you know, if it just happened to you, you don't want to talk about it. You don't want to be out yeah. front open with people. That's fine. But just the end goal is to get you through it all. But once you're able to say, Hey, listen, that I went through all that to be where I'm at today yeah, is, is amazing. And when you start getting, you know, your, your voice out there and you get that off your chest and it's just, yeah, I just want, I just, I want to shake everybody and be like, no, you know, what's going on? What's going on? You know, tell me. <laughs> yeah. Tell us, <laughs> tell us your story. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Get those stories out there. Continue getting those stories out there because that's really important for people to connect 
And there's, yeah. it, it helps people feel less alone. And especially during the time of the pandemic where the people aren't able to get together and community as much, and they're not able to do a lot of the things that used to get them through the day. No, that's really important, this podcast. Now yeah. I heard of, um, have you heard of the Veteran Story Project by the Library of Congress? See, I'm glad you brought something up like that. Like that's yeah. another thing too. With the podcast, I'm like, I'm hearing about or veteran help organizations that are literally in the next town next to me. And I've never heard yep. of them. Yeah. You know? They collect stories um, on veterans of any era and they get them out there and they're on the Library of Congress. Um, they have their own website, webpage, and it's out there for their families. It's out there for, you know, generations from now, people can look up at the Library of Congress under their last name and find out what happened to their great, great, great grandfather or grandmother. It's pretty cool. Wow. I gotta yeah. look that up. <laughs> yeah. Veteran Story Project, uh, Library of Congress. Yeah. So, well, wonderful. Can you think of anything that we may not have covered? We covered a lot of good stuff. Yeah. And I just want to touch, I know you, you, you said something about, you know, being veterans, being alone right now. So I, for, through my podcast, I have a open zoom that I do on Friday nights, but right now starting next week, it's actually going to be on Thursday nights. I put out there every, so every Thursday night at seven 30 Eastern standard time at night, I put out a link that anybody can join and it's not recorded and you don't have to have your camera on. I don't care, but it's, it's kind of like a virtual bar. I call it happy hour, the American vet podcast. And we get veterans from all over the U S and all kinds of different stories. And, you know, like last week we, we ended up playing a like poker through it. You know what I mean? It never oh, cool. Yeah. So I don't want people to think that like, it's a, it's a group session thing and it's, it's, it's a group, you know, oh, poor me kind of stuff, but it's, it's more or less just for people to interact with other veterans from other branches, from other States. And yeah. Just, just hang out. Like, like you're exactly. hanging out at a bar or something. Yep. And yeah. The only thing, my only rule for that is just, you know, no politics, no hate and, you know, just, just have fun. I like you know? that. No politics. There's so much of that already. Yep. <laughs> we don't need to deal with that more. <laughs> Wait, yeah. yeah, that's that's free. Anybody can come on. Um, face, it's, I put links on it, Facebook and Instagram through the podcast itself. And you yeah, know, and I'll, have, come I'll on. also put it on the show notes so that way people know where to get a hold of you and where to find that. Perfect. Thank you. Yeah. Well, it's been really nice speaking with you. And I really enjoyed hearing your story and what you're doing is just amazing. Thank you for all the the wonderful work that you're doing. Hey, you're, you're doing it as well. You know, it's things like this, collaborating with other people, getting stories out there. It's, it's all part of the process. Yep, exactly. Part of the, yeah, part of the process. Well, thanks, Dave. It's been really nice and you have a wonderful day. You've been listening to Catalyst for Change and my name is Jessica Huckabay, your host. Join us next week for another story of resiliency and please subscribe wherever you listen to your podcasts and feel free to leave me a comment or email me at catalystforchange20 at gmail.com or on Facebook, we have a page at Catalyst for Change Resiliency.